I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Welcome back to the Moral Breakdown podcast with me, Johnny, Dana and a very sick Elliot Venice. Um, obviously you can't see this because it's a podcast but we actually have got a glass sheet over Elliot so me and Dana don't get sick. <laughs> Um, tonight, <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry, Elliot. I know, I know you, you do feel bad, but thanks for coming out and thanks for no supporting me again. No problem. Um, but I'll let you rest for a couple of minutes. Um, we're going to start off with you, Dana, um, and let's chat about Aston Villa first. Do uh, we have to? <laughs> yeah, that's my um, <laughs> <laughs> um So, quick touch, we're going to touch on Aston Villa a little bit, and I'll ask you a second question as well. Um, but what was your thoughts on Aston Villa? Well, it was dreadful, wasn't it? I think, you know, the, the scoreline kind of flattered us a little bit because it could have been more. Um, I think we played into their hands, really, the way we set up. I think it was a strange decision from Pulis, which he, he probably realised that he, he got it wrong because he took shot off after, what, 25 minutes or something? Probably less than that. Um, so, I mean, he, it's another strange choice from Pulis. I mean, he's done that a few times where he's kind of switched things up and then realised he's done a, he's made a mistake and then kind of cha- tried to change things after that and... Yeah, I, I just felt as though we played into their hands. Really, we didn't, um, we didn't, you know, stifle their threat at all. We just kind of allowed them to to flourish offensively, and you know, it, we set up defensively, and it was, you know, it backfired on us. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, Elliot, it wasn't it wasn't the best performance, was it? It was, like we were saying just off air there. We don't think we were really bothered about the result at all. We, we, I think we all expected as a three. I think we all expected us to get beat on. Against Aston Villa. Yeah, no, I think I think a lot of people did um, with the form Villa were on and how we played uh, when Villa came to the Riverside, um, and especially when seeing that lineup as well, you just thought there's, there's no hope for us in this game, um, and it proved to be the same scoreline. But when I watched the highlights back, every single highlight was Villa, and there's about a good 17 chances. So yeah, like Dana said, we were lucky. Maybe that was a stony three. I know. Yeah. Um, well. Let's let's move on away from it. Let's let's get away from Aston Villa. Um, 
Let's look forward. Um, it was international break this week. Uh, um, of course, a few Millsborough players went on international duty. But, Dana, do you think the international break was a, a good time for Millsborough to, to stop and calculate again and, and go again towards the last few games of the season? Yeah, I've said after the, the Villa game that the best thing right now is the international break because I think it gives Borough time to kind of reflect. It gives Pulis the time, the time to reflect on you know what's gone wrong because a lot has gone wrong the past three games and, we, and we've had three defeats. Um, and I think it kind of just is this kind of block in between the games where hopefully you know they can kind of recuperate and um, recharge a little bit and then go to the Norwich game, which is going to be a, another really tough game. Mm. I was, it was the first time for me that I was more excited to watch England play than I have been to watch Millsborough play, um, which is really bizarre. I thought, but by the way, shout out to England. How, how good were England, by the way, over the last few games? I don't know if you've seen the games, but yeah, I no. thought they were absolutely brilliant. Really uh, good performances from, from England, yeah. Mm. I 100% agree. Raheem Sterling, best player in England at the moment, just throwing out there. Um, besides uh, besides British on the longer, that's a bit unquote. <laughs> um, no, but in, in all honesty, though, do you think. Uh, there's a question from Alex Fowler, um, and he asks, Do you think Millsborough can make the playoffs? Elliot, do you think we. Obviously, three defeats on the balance. Aston Villa is sixth now, the pressure's rising. Do you think Millsborough have enough steel to uh, to make the top six? Um, I think definitely so. We are, we've been in it for majority of this season um, it'll be a huge disappointment to drop out now um, as we get into the final running but um, I think we'll just about scrape in there um, we obviously do have a tough game um, against Norwich up next but I think with some of the remaining games there um, you know we can we can pull up and grind some results like we have we have done this season and, and get into the playoffs Dan are you in agreement do you think playoffs yeah I think we can get playoffs whether we'll um you know, actually go up through the playoffs. I don't think that's likely, but I do believe. I know that you know it's a bit dim and gloom at the moment, given that we've lost three on the spin. But I do think we'll get in the playoffs. Do you think we have a chance of going up? Um, I think it'd be very tough, um, especially if if Villa are in the playoffs with us. Um, it doesn't bode well. But then again, we beat Norwich two times, and and they beat us in the final a few years back. So you never know. But um, I just think that the strength and depth of some of the other teams up there um, will ultimately out China us really I've seen an interesting stat before I was going to move on to my point um, before the playoffs but since Dean Smith took over at Aston Villa um, Aston Villa have scored 48 goals since October Millsbury have scored just about 40 goals all season so just in, com- in comparison um, they've been very entertained at Villa Park but in terms of the playoffs I said with Rob Nichols last week I, I can't really see us even making playoffs to be honest I'm just I don't know if that's me being really pessimistic and not bothered about it, but it's just I don't think we're I don't think we're good enough to go. Um, I've said that from day one this season. I don't think we're, we're strong enough yet. I don't, I don't think we have the right players to get there. But I think if we do get up there, it's going to be difficult, and it is anyone's game. But from Palace and Hart, I don't think we. I don't think we will. I think it'll be another season in the championship, and I think we'll move on um, with manager. And uh, I think we'll have a huge overhaul as well. Um, but let's talk about international break. Um, Bezic, Randall, Fry, Tavernier, um, George Savile, McNair, um, and also Martin Braithwaite, who is at Laganas at the moment. Um, let's chat about Martin Braithwaite before we move on to everyone else. Um, earlier in the week, he came out um, and said about how when he was coming to Millsborough, um, he got given uh, a plan, as you like, and a sense of playing. Um, and ever since Tony Pulis came in, it's kind of been the complete opposite. Do you think his comments were quite fair, Dana, in, in respect? 
I mean, he, he didn't lie, to be fair. I mean, he, he, I think he said that Tony Pulis has had a strange style of play. And I, I mean, I don't like Mike Braithwaite, I'm not going to lie. But, like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I mean, if you're playing a Tony Pulis style of play as a Martin Braithwaite type player, then you, you, you're kind of going li- to be a little bit frustrated every now and again. Mm. Um, but did he really need to say it? Probably not. I mean,. No. To be honest, I forgot he was even still technically our player, um, and now he's you know these quotes have you know surfaced. Um, I don't think it's necessarily unfair. I just think it's a little bit unnecessary to to say it. I mean, if you want to leave Middlesbrough, leave Middlesbrough, but don't you know, don't put it out there in the press and stuff like that. It's just, I mean, Martin Braithwaite's all talk, isn't he? Mm. He'll, he'll go in the press and he'll talk, and that's all he does. Really. Yeah, and to be honest, even when he was under Gary Monk, he didn't really show that much anywhere. Um, so it's kind of like well you didn't really show under Gary Monk you, and we all knew fine well you weren't going to show under Tony Pulis especially the way he's going to play so he hasn't really proved himself as much as like he thinks he has um, and he said obviously that on the lines of well he's, he's not coming back to Middlesbrough regardless so um, we could have another Jack Rodwell on cards where well, Jack Rodwell on cards for a player who's just going to try and see how his contract and earn like 50k 50 grand a week um, but do you think Middlesbrough should try and offload as quick as we possibly can when when that loan ends with Laganas with Matt Braithwaite yeah definitely um, especially with uh, the way you know Pulis has talked about the club and with the financial statements that have came out recently um, we do need to move on big earners and I do think um, when we originally signed him you know nine million pounds I think it was when we signed him he'll have been on a big deal coming from dropping from the league and it was I yeah. think he came from so nice. So I think it'll be on a big wage. And I think we should definitely try and move on. I, th- I think he will move on. I think he does want to play football. Um, I think he will go to... Uh, I think in his statement the other day, he did say that he wanted to kind of settle at a club and, and stay there for a few years, more so for his family, because I think he has three young kids. Um, so whether that he goes back to France or he, you know, he goes uh, to La Liga again, um, I think he'll want to move on quite quick. Um, well, he has put himself in the window a little bit um, with Leganes. Yeah, they have been doing quite well. He has scored a few goals as well, so it's quite good. It's quite good for Middlesbrough in a sense that we're going to get hopefully get a good deal for him. If we do, then fantastic. Then let's cut the ties and uh, reinvest in the squad with the money that we have. Um, but let's let's get rid of uh, Martin Braithwaite. Let's, I hate him anyway. Um, <laughs> so let's move on to someone that we all love and cherish, um, the Irish Prince. Um, as I like to call him, he was just named um, goalkeeper of the year in the championship. He's also named um, in the championship team of the year too, uh, Mr. Darren Randolph. Um, how good was he? How good has he been this season, and how much of a struggle is it going to be for Millsbury next season? with try and keep hold of him. I think he's been our best player. I mean, there's not been a lot of good picks to be fair, but I mean, Darren Randolph has you know kept us in games time and time again. Yeah, there's the odd mistake where people probably. You know, be a little bit critical. If you want to be over, overly critical, you do kind of uh, shed light to those. But um, more times than not, you know, he's he's kept us in games. He's made some fantastic saves. He made another one against uh, Georgia for for Ireland the other day. And um, yeah, I mentioned our fair before we started. Like, how have we still got him? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's. He, I mean, to be fair to to Dan Randolph, he could go and play a Premier League club. Um, he is a Premier League quality goalkeeper and it is going to be difficult for us to keep hold of him because he is on a Premier League wage as well because we signed him from West Ham so um, it is going to be difficult I, I, for some reason though I can't I can't see him leaving I, I just mm. I feel like he'll, he'll want to stay 
Um, but we could easily just kind of lose him because I'm pretty sure a lot of Premier League clubs will be after him. I hope so because we don't have another keeper. <laughs> Dimmy. <laughs> yeah, you got Dimmy and what else? Um, Andy Lon- Lonergan. Lonergan, Andy, Lonergan, Lonergan that's the one. Unlimited seven day emergency loan to Rochdale. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I was going to say, um, Darren Randolph, he's, just, he's been instrumental, hasn't he? In terms, it's, it's incredible to say that about a goalkeeper, but. He has been brilliant this season, hasn't he? No, definitely. Um, he's been the standout performer, we were saying just the other week, because um, I think we got a question on the, on the podcast who's our most important player. We said he was a Randolph or wing. Um, and, yeah, he's he's came up with so many big saves this season, clean sheets. Um, and I, I kind of agree with him. I don't think he'll leave, to be honest. Um, I think if he was to go to a Premier League club, it'd be hard to always nail down that spot unless he was that team that's just went up um, and I think he kind of wants to see out the project here I don't know whether, I don't know whether someone written that before whether he said it that he did want to kind of you know see out the project and get Middlesbrough promoted so it'd be great for us if he did stay on and, and like you say with Ireland in the last uh, the last two games over the international break he's kept a clean sheet in both 1-0 victories so it's just his clean well. sheet record's been brilliant this season as well. I appreciate it. It must be like it can be a little bit easier when you play nine at the back, but like <laughs> it's it's a good record to have. Um, we have a great defensive record, and it's something we can build on. But um, I think he does. He still deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, but let's move on to Paddy McNair. Is someone who hasn't really played at all this season. Um, he was kind of signed as more of a utility man. Um, last season he played as like a number ten role for Sunderland. Um, he was actually one of the top scorers as well. Um, he's came and he's only played right back um, ever since uh, from that five million pound move. Um, I, put, I don't want to use too Paddy McNair as much as I have, but I watched the Northern Ireland games um, over the last over the last week or so. I thought Paddy McNair played really really well um, in those games. Yes, he missed an absolute sitter, um, which I don't think it was actually his fault to be fair. He's done everything right. He's headed the ball down, and pitches are so good these days. Like it's just like a bouncy ball, isn't it? It'll just go anywhere. Yeah. Um, but I think his general plays movement. He seemed confident. He was going the ball. He, I think he outshone um, George Savile as well. And he's pl- he was playing part of a midfield three, which is something that we've been adopting as well. Um, do you think he deserves more of a chance, Elliot? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think when we signed him, we had to kind of you know fend off some Premier League clubs. We had to fend off Stoke, who were spending big. Um, whether he came because it was just down the road, I don't know. But you know, he clearly was a sort of a vision um, as well. Um, I was quite surprised. I actually thought he was older than what he is, but he's still only twenty three. Um, he looks a lot older than that. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> put your, put so, your, sorry, sorry if you're listening, Paddy McNair. Put your, put your claws away. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. Nah, so you know, he's still only twenty three, and you know, we're saying about Lewis Wing. So he's, mm-hmm. he's got, you know, he's got bags of potential there. Like you say, if he's playing in a more advanced position, if we're not even prepared to give him a chance there, then then you know, playing him outside of his his normal comfort zone he, he did say in an interview the other day that he, he felt like that is his best position mm-hmm. um, and we go and play him right back so it's a bit <laughs> I think it's a bit be, the cards haven't really fallen in his favour have they because you know Borough don't have a, another right back so it's essentially shot and gets injured I mean you could put Fry there Fry has played there mm-hmm. um, but then it, you know the other one is Paddy McNair so like I was talking to a Sunderland fan of my course and he said that he was brought in as a box to box midfielder as yeah. opposed to a number 10 I suppose he kind of got moved up the pitch a little bit, um, but I feel like I don't really know what his best position is. Mm. I know he said he said there and he said you know in midfield, but 
I don't know, I think he's he's almost too versatile. It's very strange. But at Millsborough, I just feel like he's been a little bit unlucky because the way that the squad is, we need another like backup right back, and it just so happens to be that Paddy McNair is that backup right back. Mm. It'd be interesting what we do with Paddy McNair. Uh, yeah, I think he's came in on a, was it a four year contract we brought him on. Um, I think it was more or less the, the deal that we have. Uh, we've got John Oliver McKell here until the end of the season, which I can't see John Oliver McKell staying for much longer than that. Um, if we don't get from what I don't even think we can even afford John McKell if we don't go up this season. Um, so that opens a gap. Obviously, Bezic will go back too. I don't think we'll buy Bezic either. Um, I don't think he's done as much this year as he did last year. Um, so it is an opportunity for Paddy McNair to really get back into the squad next year. Um, I agree with you, Dinner, that he hasn't had that that opportunity at midfield yet. Um, I just think that's not really his fault. I think Lewis Wing's been excellent this year, so he hasn't been able to play in his position. Um, more Bezic when it's when it's like a manager's signing. I don't I don't even know if Paddy McNair was really Tony Fields to sign to be honest. I don't even think Bezic I, I think Bezic was, but I don't think Paddy McNair what like Paddy McNair was a pure signing. Uh, I think. Do you like, think he was a Gibson signing? I think it was more of a Gibson signing. Gibson or recruitment signing. And since he's only still young, it's kind of like well, if we can get him now, and then he plays a couple, he has a good a couple of good seasons, then we can probably sell him for a better price as he's coming into his prime when he's twenty five, twenty six. Um, more of that long term aim but yeah I agree he's been really unlucky I think he deserves more of a chance and would I like to see him in this squad but yeah why not you know what I mean There's if we need to change the squad around then why don't we just put him in there and set him in the field play him in his actual position rather than keep playing him right back because when we've been watching him Paddy McNair is not a right back I don't care what, like he just doesn't look he looks uncomfortable there and like I think it's not like not like Johnny House. Johnny House has been quite good there, but Paddy McNair, he looks like he just needs to be a bit more centralised, and um, just run up and down the pitch, like box to box and field. And I think that'll hopefully come good probably very soon. Um, yeah, but with you, with you saying actually, it's a good point you make there about uh, John Obi McKell and Bessich leaving. It's a great chance um, for him to get back in because it's only leaving, um, you know, it's only leaving what Clayton House and um, Wing. Savile and him fighting for those positions which is much better and it could even end up seeing next season kind of a if we keep to, you know a 4-3-3 Savile and uh, uh, Paddy McNair playing in those positions like they do for Northern Ireland mm. um, and they could you know form a real partnership in the midfield yeah, Lewis Wing and obviously Clayton stay as well um, but there's it, next season's a massive opportunity for us regardless of what we do um, I think Everything's just a little bit rotten now. Um, it's, everything's past its prime a little bit more now. I think we've got we go on about this like in some podcasts. Um, the store the hall. I think it's it's just needed now. Every few years, you always need a bit a big clear out and start again. Um, and obviously Tony Pulis could be potentially going on. No, Elliot, that you've done a little bit of research. Um, this week. Um, just on a little bit on a bit more managers. Um, Tony Pulis is set to leave at the end of this season. Um, obviously there's a little bit of rumour saying he could potentially sign another one year extension but the way things are going the way like Bottom Wanderers only sold 300 tickets today um, fans are getting disinterested um, do, you th- do you think obviously if Millsborough are looking at a manager have you found any that you fancy? Yeah so we actually did get uh, asked by uh, one of our listeners actually um, about this um, to kind of you know look into to some names because we do kind of say a lot about um, you know, if Tony Pulis doesn't stay on in the summer, which I expect he won't, um, you know, to pick somebody out who's maybe not a name um, that we already know, like uh, the Huddersfield manager that's just left there, Wagner, oh, yeah. and, you know, names like that. Um, 
so you know we all kind of have similar views in the sense that you know we'd like to take a punt on someone like we did with Karanka and, and unknown names and stuff like that um, and it's important to remember that you know some names that are now in the Premier League you know came up from uh, managing the you know lower English leagues like Eddie Howe for example and Sean Dyche Chris Hewton um, so I had a look into a few that are in the lower leagues um, one that kind of pe- a lot of people probably already know um, is Danny Cowley at Lincoln mm-hmm. um, so I think a lot of people know him from um, I think it was two seasons ago was it when they beat uh, Burnley and um, Brighton in the cup yeah. and they've become the first non-league team to reach the FA Cup quarters um, I strangely read that he started off managing a team called Concord Rangers um, in the Essex Senior Football League, um, which they're in the ninth tier of English football. Um, so he, he, so he got the job at Lincoln from that, uh, I think, and he went on to win the National League in his first season. Then he won the EFL Trophy and League Two um, the next year. Um, and obviously now they're in League One. So I mean for two years of being at a club is is pretty good um, so that I think there'll be a lot of um, clubs after him um, but some of the ones that people might not really know about is um, Daryl Clark um, he's unemployed <laughs> at the moment um, so did you see him outside the job centre did you yeah, <laughs> yeah he's uh, picking up his picking up his dole um, but he used to be at Bristol Rovers um, he got the job at Bristol Rovers after managing Salisbury I think in there in the National League as well um, in his first season he actually got relegated from League 2 in the final game of the season which doesn't sound too good um, but then he went on to get back to back promotions from the conference to League 1 um, he was sacked in December um, even though the club were in 15th um, but they were 4 points off the relegation zone so you know, good job that he did there as well um, and the last one I looked into was a guy called Grant McCann um, he's managing Doncaster at the moment he used to manage Peterborough um, it was sacked even though they were just uh, six points off the playoffs um, he got given the job at Donny I think mid-season this season um, and they're currently sitting above Peterborough now um, in six and Peterborough seventh so it'll be interesting to see whether he can pip his old club to a promotion uh, a, a playoff spot um, so they're just kind of three names that I, I kind of picked out who you know Borough could potentially look at in the, in the summer Pick one, I'm assuming it'd be Danny, Danny Coley at Lincoln. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with very hard Brexit names there as well. Um, what <laughs> I thought as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we'll go over another bre- hard Brexit name as well. And think, Preston manager Alex Neil, could you could you potentially try and buy him, buy him out from Preston? Would he be a name that you'd potentially be interested in? Appreciate that he he got he didn't he got Norwich up because of our expense. Um, mm. He's also beat us um, with Preston. And Preston has done very very well this season as well with like a shoestring budget. Is he someone that you'd probably? Like, like to look into he's done a decent job yeah I mean um, who who was after him um, West Bromwich Albion. yeah West Bromwich after him yeah um, I mean I, I don't I certainly don't blame them for going after him because you know with his success at Norwich and what he's doing at Preston you know he's a a manager that I think clubs should look into but I, I'm not sure I don't know if I mean if he can get us promoted um, and kind of you know get rid of that memory of him getting promoted at our expense then fair enough but I don't know I mean he's not at the top of my list mm. is there anyone well who is actually top of your list blank name <laughs> I genuinely don't know um, I'd quite like to see us go down the route of you know in the Premier League you've got uh, Marco Silva came from nowhere at Hull um, granted that was in the Premier League not in the Championship but you know 
kind of unknown quantities like that from uh, overseas, um, kind of like a Karanka. Um, I park. Yeah, mm. yeah, I would quite like to see you know, somebody like that. I've had I I I sorry, can't get my words up there. <laughs> as as much as um as much as I think all three of us re- really like uh, Karanka and you know the way the team was and the system that he played. I think it the ships just kind of sailed. I think it just caused caused too many rifts um at the moment. But I think definitely as Dana says, um I mean I could kind of look into um, for another podcast potentially some kind of overseas managers who kind of fit that role. Um, but yeah, Daniel Fark, for example, coming from just um, Dortmund's second team, was he, or the, uh, just a coach at Dortmund, um, that can really implement the ways if they've been working underneath a, a good manager. Karanka was the only one really took a chance like that. I think he was the only foreign manager um, that we've had. I think everyone else has been has been British, so um, and it could potentially you know pave the way for a, a project and, and a new identity as we, mm. as we always say. So. Yeah, something that we've always been banging on about as well. Um, let's go. Let's move this. Move on to this question. Um, and it's from Ben. He's at True Smoggy on, on Twitter, and he's asked, "How has the season ranked with you? Um, how do you think it's really fared um, in terms of our mills in our mills for support and careers?" Um, like I said about five minutes ago, um, it's been it's a very very strange season so far. Only three hundred fifty tickets being sold for for bottom wanderers. The interest just doesn't seem to be there as much. Um, Dana, how do you think this season has been for you? Well, I've you know since I've been supporting more, I've seen some shocking seasons from the Jack and all going awful. Um, honestly, I, it you know it it ranks pretty high because I've never felt this disengaged since probably mm. well, I wouldn't even say since Strachan because I was I was like what quite young then, uh, like what was it like 10 or something which is crazy forget how young you are sometimes <laughs> yeah so I wasn't like I was into it really because I was just that little kid kind of thing but um yeah I, f- I just feel really really disengaged this season it's been kind of um it's been a chore just you know going to the games and listening to us on the radio and the you know the international break was really welcomed for me because it was just a breakaway from Borough because I just couldn't be bothered like just felt so just I can't think of any other word other than disengaged just completely out of it Els are you the same um, yeah it is a bit of a weird one like Dana said because for the current position that we're in you'd think a lot of people would say that's been a fairly decent season but it has felt like a chore because like even the wins this season um, I mean have, have, have we beat anyone more than 2-0 this season I feel Sheffield like 3-0 start the season yeah, so I feel like it's just yeah, even when it was those wins, it was it was very very routine. You know, we'd score from maybe a penalty or something on the thirtieth minute, and then we we you know it'd be very lackluster, and then we'd score from a mistake in the second half. And um, in terms of ranking of all my borough seasons, um, I don't think it'd be as bad as um, the Strachan years, um, but I'd say probably on par with maybe a, a Tony Mowbray year where we where we started unreal at Christmas and then tailed off mm. and it was very disappointing and, and frustrating That's towards the end that, yeah. um, I, I think probably there because the seasons in the Premier League um, with McLaren and Southgate were probably you know, were really good um, and obviously the, the years when Karanko was here was also really good as well so I think to rank it yeah it wouldn't be very highly mm. I think 
with me, it's I don't know what I was say, Major Jones, but um, I started watching Millsbrett, Brian, end of the Brian Robson era, um, and then through McLaren, and then all the way through to Tony Pulis now. So I've been really lucky to watch Millsbrett win a trophy, get promoted, go to final, win it, win something. Well, we didn't win against uh, Sevilla. Um, by the way, that Sevilla team is absolutely incredible when you look at it again. By the way, <laughs> like Danny Ollis and one player, I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, yeah. Freddie Canute of all players. Um, but I've, I've seen the, the rise and I've also seen the demise as well. And um, I've, I've seen some horrendous seasons. And even watching Steve McLaren at times, Steve McLaren's era was shocking to watch at sometimes. There was like no direct football, the, the football was shocking, even though we had these amazing players. But yeah. We pull out some random amazing results, and especially was, against top teams. Against, well, against yeah. top teams as well. Um, Brian Robson, known as the golden era of Millsbrook football, we used to go like seven or eight games without scoring a goal, and like people forget about that. We we never won anything. We always got relegated, or we just went to a final and ended up getting beaten. That was like something that me and Rob Nichols talked about last week. Um, then obviously we've got like McLaren. We, we did win a trophy, but like I said, it was dire. Um, Southgate felt really sorry for Gareth Southgate because the money dried up a little bit it was his first job in football and like we'd lost all the best players and we just replaced him with like we replaced Max Water with Ross Turnbull like don't get me wrong Ross Turnbull was actually the most successful English goalkeeper of all time because uh, he sat on the bench for like European finals and got trophies and stuff like that but fair enough like kind of take it away from him um, he's got to that point um, but obviously with that like we kind of shot ourselves in the foot on that project Emnes and we decided to get relegated like no 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 reason we got relegated with that team um, so Southgate's like he's you know we'll look at him now like he's England manager and seeing how well we're playing now it's like fair enough like I'll let you off for that one then Strachan like less of the better because that was like possibly one of the worst footballing era of my entire life and it was not, just, not even just the football he was one that kind of destroyed the club as well from the inside yeah, the signings so just horrendous like that was the striking era is striking era is possibly the worst era I think I've ever witnessed as a football fan like people say like oh Tony Pulis football is bad just look at Gordon Strachan's football that was yeah. just even worse yeah um, getting beat off like Plymouth at all and like <laughs> getting beat two I was it two or something or one or something got beat off Plymouth and I was like Jesus Christ we have bloody Scotland's all-time leading goal scorer Chris Boyd up from yeah. Scott McDonald. Yeah, that was just horrendous. Yeah, like the Scotland, like the literally the like SPL All Stars in the and we, we still couldn't even beat like bottom up. We were bottom pretty much of the league. We couldn't even beat bottom of the league, and it was it was just yeah. But Tony Mowbray was good. I enjoyed Tony Mowbray era, um, even though towards the end of, I felt really sad when he got sacked. And um, then obviously Cranky was really good. We enjoyed it, even though it, that had his lips as well, where. He'd walk out, he'd slug the fans off, but I think everyone does that really. It was an yeah. entertainment, wasn't it? Was it, it, more, more it was uh, when you look back now, you think like the, the turbulence of events make it that better because mm. like the, the stories that it created and, and stuff. It really was good. People but, singing on the Dickens and like um, Clayton on the roof. Adam Clayton on the roof, Adam Farshaw with like a sausage roll in his mouth. I was a burger in his mouth or something there. <laughs> 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 you only got a whole lot of history. Um, <laughs> And then obviously we've we've had the the Steve Agnew like kind of wasn't really Steve Agnew era, um, and then Gary Monk was just just Gary Monk was actually quite entertaining, but we just couldn't stop conceding goals. Um, and then obviously Tony Pulis has kind of like shoot everything up again, but it's been awful. Um, appreciate that Middlesbrough aren't Barcelona. Like we're not going to be the best team in the world. We're not going to have the most entertaining football in the world. It's not going to be amazing week in week out. Um, but it's just like. 
like I want a little bit for my cash. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I want a little bit for my cash. And I don't think I don't think Pulis is. I think he's done a fantastic job of what he's done, um, in getting us to positions. I don't think we've been out of the playoffs ever since he's really came. To be honest, I think as soon as he got in there, we've kind of stayed there. Um, so he deserves a lot of credit for that. But in terms of football and where does it rank, I'd probably say towards the bottom league just because I feel so disengaged. Um, I was more engaged when we were Tony Mowbray era, um, like our current era. Obviously, McLaren, Robson, when I was growing up, absolutely loved watching that. Um, Southgate was a bit difficult to watch, but again, like you're in the Premier League there. Um, yeah. So, if, if in terms of that, I would say probably towards like the bottom of yeah. Pulis era. But you know, if, if he leaves the end of the season, like I don't think anyone should like have a go at Tony Pulis um, just because he's. I think he's done what he's kind of set out to do and kind of bounce the books a little bit and he's made us compete in a league which is very competitive. Um, I think um, I think the fans of this area, like you were saying about, uh, you know, is not kind of being um, world beaters. I think fans of this area don't ever, you know, expect us to be. I think I think what we want is just a, I know it seems quite cliche, but like a team to kind of you know be be proud of in a sense. Um, and I think that it's not you know, outlandish to to maybe see Middlesbrough being where we once were, where we. Where we were seventh mm. and you know perhaps being in the Europa League because you see projects start like this for a, a lot of clubs in some of the other European leagues where um, they're perhaps punching above the weight um, for a couple of years or even you know they manage to sustain it um, that and maybe not necessarily from very high populated areas yeah. um, for example I can think of Hoffenheim in Germany where you know they came out of nowhere it's not a very big place Hoffenheim but you know the team that they've built um, and the club that they've built and it's a real yeah, football yeah. in city where that that's the only thing that's going on there. Um, it's the same with Dortmund, but Dortmund are a little bit different as they've had the money for quite a while now. Um, but you know, I'm trying to think in, in La Liga where Getafe have done it in the past and Osasuna have done it in the past, and um, you know it can happen again if we if you kind of like you said we had that kind of vision in the 90s where we were getting in we were one of the first teams to sign foreign players in the Premier League before that the, the, you know the transfer fees were all for you know Alan Shearer pretty much breaking his own record mm. for transfer fee and then you know Middlesbrough going out and signing you know players like for Ritter, Rabinelli, yeah, who, Rabinelli. Just, who just scored a, the winning penalty in the Champions League final and like two weeks later he signs for Middlesbrough yeah from so I mean <laughs> us, us signing players like that and, and looking abroad um, for them shows that you know we once at the forefront of of you know things that were going on in club football, we were one of the first clubs to introduce a, a TV channel um, as the well. First. Bur- yeah, the Borough Fan, first. Uh, not Borough Fan <laughs> TV, whatever it was called, Middlesbrough Fan TV or whatever it was called. Borough TV. TV, yeah. Um, so, you know, if you get a project like that, and I think that's what a lot of fans would want, then they could be onto something. And it's being the best of what you can possibly be mm. at your at your limits, basically. Yeah, obviously, get it. You've like just seen like. When you were younger, you've seen all the success, and now, like, as you've got a little bit older, you've just seen a lot of shite. Um, so I can't feel sorry if you're in a, in a way, but um, I, it's, I think it's just, we've over delivered over the last few years, um, and I think we're starting to like get back to the norm a little bit now. And if we get back in the Premier League, it's going to be even more difficult for us. Um, if we were to go up this season, I can't even see us having a chance next year. Couldn't see us having a kick, um, just because like this team like Bournemouth. Hundred million pounds. I think they spent this season, and they're like not even competing for like top six. You know what I mean? Like, if you spent hundred million a few years ago, you'd be should be competing for the title. 
Wolves have spent a lot of cash there, they've done very, very well, love what they had Champions League players in the team last year. Um, and obviously Newcastle is trying to spend a little bit more on all these teams. Everyone's trying to throw loads of money at it because the, 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 the risk to go down is just incredible. Um, but I felt like I was running a massive rant about a lot of different things there. Um, but yes, yeah, to answer the question really, Mil- what was the, the question? The rank is the rank is low at the bottom. Mills revolve achieved. I can't wait to the end of the season and for us to start again, regardless of what division we're in. Um, but let's carry on and <laughs> speak about Norwich. Um, let's speak about Norwich. Obviously, top of the league. No one expected them to be where they are this season. And um, who would like to to break them down? If is it Dana or Els? Or do you want to mix and match? I can mix and match. Go on, yeah, then, Dana, kick us off. Well, they've straight off the bat, they've won their last six games. Uh, I think they've scored 16 and conceded six in those. Um, you know, they are the top scorers in the league, but they are also liable to um, conceding as well. Um, you know, they're kind of <coughs> a little bit inept at uh, holding on to the lead, but they're also very good at coming back from losing positions. Um, you know, they've got a, an offensive style of play. They, they play a possession-based, uh, possession-based football. Um They've scored 63 of their 77 uh, goals uh, from open play, 16 more than the best, uh, the next best, which is Leeds. And obviously they've got uh, the top scorer in the league with uh, Timo Puki, who's got 24. He's also got nine assists. So they've got some, they've got some brilliant players. They're playing a 4-2-3-1 formation. They've got uh, Puki up front, and they've got. Um, Wendia and Ornel Hernandez just behind him and Marco Stieperman in the number 10 position Go on then Els, you got anything else? Um, yeah so like Dana said um, Norwich do come to the Riverside in fine fettle as the FIFA commentators would say <laughs> um, but yeah they've won 8 out of the last 9 um, sort of stretching the form back um, which doesn't really bode well with us coming into it losing 3 on the bounce um, like Dana said also 4-2-3-1 we know that very well from uh, Karanka days um, very balanced and fluid formation um, so obviously Dana mentioned there with the kind of the, the forward four um, but the two centre midfielders that they normally play with is Alex Teo seems to be there seems, seems to have been there forever um, oh yeah I thought he was dead yeah he, he has been there for a, a really long time um, also Tom Tribal um, Kenny McLean and ex-FIFA wonder kid Moritz Leitner are there as well they do have a, quite a strong German contingent as well with um, Daniel Fark bringing them in um, you know obviously one there is kind of acts as a defensive mid like we have as Clayton and one acting as a box to box like with Grant Ledbetter um, you know those attacking midfielders um, the way they play they kind of you know they are allowed to cut in and those full backs will overlap and I think one of their full backs got in the team of the year didn't they was it Max Ahrens I think he got yeah. in the, the team of the year Um so it will be really difficult because I think um, Pookie's obviously got 24 goals and they haven't really, but when we were breaking down Brentford last time um, and kind of saying about how some of their three behind the striker had chipped in a lot more with goals, the next best after Pookie was uh, Buendia, um, he's on nine. So a lot does fall on, on Pookie and I think if we can kind of take him out of the game, I'm not, I'm not saying... You know, stopping all of their attacking threat because Ono Hernandez and Buendia are really, really good as well. Um, but you know, twenty-four goals—it's more than I think it's two more than Billy Sharp, who we were saying was really dangerous for for Sheffield United. So, 
um, you know, you've got to try and nullify that threat. Um, so I think whether you know we go with kind of five and you know, three at the back, um, it can kind of do that because we will need to be back a lot because with this formation, as as we know, they do like to cut inside. They do like to kind of mix it up and go out wide as well. And the, with the full backs overlapping, um, there will be a lot of a lot to ask from our defenders. So yeah. Tom, sorry, Tom Tribal's a a good player as well. I remember he scored against us last season um, at Norwich. Um, he kind of dictates play from from midfield, and and a lot of their play does come from deep. You know, they start off uh, from deep, and I think, you know, Mikel, Besic, Wing, they all have to work together to you know kind of stop them from. They they kind of like Clayton and Ledbetter from you know seasons uh, you know seasons ago, um. So that's going to be a difficult uh you know difficult player for, for Borussia stop. Hmm. Well, let's do your, your lineup and predictions, guys. Um, obviously, it's, it will, it's, very, it's going to be a very, very tough game on Saturday. It's on the telly, half five. Um, Dana, we'll, we'll keep going with you. Have you got your, your lineup and predictions at the ready? I have. I've, got, I've gone full fuck it mode. <laughs> not making PG. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's not. Well, we the, tried. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I've gone... Um, Three five two, uh, Randolph in goal obviously, uh, back three of Shotton, Ayala and Fry. I think friend we saw um, in previous games. As soon as he came back in, actually, he was almost like a poison chalice. As soon as he came back, we just oh, I don't even know. Um, yeah, don't want friend in there. So uh, Fry there, and then I've actually gone with Tav and Van Lepara in there. Van Lepara. Yeah. Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> can't beat a beer of that. Sorry, yeah. Uh, midfield five Tav, Besic, uh, Mikel Wing, and Van Lapara, and then Fletcher and Asombalonga up front. Um, I just feel as though when I was looking at uh, the who scored kind of weaknesses of Norwich, they, it said that. Um, you know they're a little bit weak against skillful players, and I think well we don't really have many skillful players, so we may as well just shut in the two that can <laughs> potentially be skillful players. Um, and also, you know, it's quite fluid as well. Um, create a back five, back three, hit them on the counter. You know, it, it could work, but I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Okay, you're right. Yeah. I thought you were gonna die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna die. <laughs> we'll, um, we'll become our five on Saturday. I know. Yeah, I think I will be. Uh, go on, Els. Let's do your your lineups before you do your prediction. Okay, no. um, yes, I'll go Randolph in goal. Um, I'll go same back three of Shot and Ayala Fry. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want friend in there as well. I think um, his career at Borough is all but over in my eyes um, <laughs> Flint as he's still I think he's, he's still injured um, but I, I think I'd prefer maybe for some reason Ayala in there over him um, it's the same lineups as we've went with not recently but when we were playing this 3-5-2 so House and Saville um, acting as kind of the wing backs um, Mikel Besic and wing um, and I would continue with uh, Fletcher and Britt up front at times I think it worked really well sometimes Britt was very susceptible to giving the ball away uh, but what he did very well and especially in the Brentford game which was a huge mistake to take him off is he really presses the defenders and that's what was 
that was what was working for us in that game so to take him off was, was criminal obviously but yeah he presses the defenders down and when we kind of win the ball back um, you know Fletcher's there to, to sort of aid him so yeah. well to be fair I was, I mean, you picked the same team as me um, so I'll, c- I'll kick things off with uh, match predictions and that's um, I think we'll get picked 2-0 there you are <laughs> so, there, I can't see us win. I can't see us getting anything um, I don't want to be, be disrespectful but it's just like I can't I honestly I can't see it I can't see us picking up even a point um, don't get me wrong if they prove me wrong and we win fantastic we're running around the streets of Millsborough um, but I don't think we will be I think I think it's going to be a very very difficult performance for, uh, for us um, Dana I'll probably go I'll probably go for the same 2-0 marriage <laughs> well <laughs> um, please be optimistic yeah it's t- it's tough isn't it because um, I can't even see if it, if it wasn't that they'd won sort of 8 out of the last 9 and you know they're really putting teams away when they're winning as well it's kind of like I'd maybe say a bit tighter scoreline of, of 1-0 or 2-1 but can't see a scoring either um, so but I'll go I'll go with 2-1 anyway I, I just I know it's completely going, what I've just said it's got a 2-1 um, 2-1 Middlesbrough yeah. a little bit of optimism at least we'll see a goal hey, so uh, yeah true we need to score more than that these days um, but that wraps everything up uh, thank you very much for, for joining us once again Ellie you can go back to bed now and we'll put down the glass uh, the glass sheet and we'll have to get someone to wipe it because you've been coughing and sneezing everywhere um, as always um, rate us five star on uh, on GTA for <laughs> for the police um, <laughs> uh, rate us five star on, on uh, iTunes um, like share subscribe to our channel um, like our page if you don't follow us as well um, on Facebook and also give us a follow um, on the board breakdown on Twitter as well um, so I just thought it'd be really funny and uh, <laughs> uh, be really funny and a bit, a bit more optimistic because the football's been horrendous um, but thanks again guys uh, thank you very much for listening and up the borough